There were no costumes or festivals. There were no St. Mark's Day sales, no St. Mark's Day cards in the store racks, no special television programs that aired only once a year. No one marked April 25th on their calendar. In fact, most of the living were unaware that St. Mark even had a day named in his honor. But the dead remembered. As Blue sat shivering on the stone wall, she reasoned that at least, at the very least, it wasn't raining this year. Every St. Mark's Eve, this was where Mara and Blue drove, an isolated church so old that its name had been forgotten. The ruin was cupped in the densely wooded hills outside of Henrietta, still several miles from the mountains proper. Only the exterior walls remained. The roof and floors had long ago collapsed inside. What hadn't rotted away was hidden under hungry vines and rancid-smelling saplings. The church was surrounded by a stone wall, broken only by a lich gate just large enough for a coffin and its bearers. A stubborn path that seemed impervious to weeds led through to the old church door. Ah, hissed Neve, plump but strangely elegant as she sat beside Blue on the wall. Blue was struck again as she had been struck the first time she'd met Neve by her oddly lovely hands. Chubby wrists led to soft, childlike palms and slender fingers with oval nails. Ah, Neve murmured again, tonight is a night. She said it like this, tonight is a night. And when she did, Blue felt her skin creep a little. Blue had sat watch with her mother for the past ten St. Mark's Eves, but tonight felt different. Tonight was a night. This year, for the first time and for reasons Blue didn't understand, Maura sent Neve to do the church watch in her place. Her mother had asked Blue if she would go along as usual, but it wasn't really a question. Blue had always gone. She would go this time. It was not as if she had made plans for St. Mark's Eve, but she had to be asked. Maura had decided sometime before Blue's birth that it was barbaric to order children about, and so Blue had grown up surrounded by imperative question marks. Blue opened and closed her chilly fists. The top edges of her fingerless gloves were fraying. She'd done a bad job knitting them last year, but they had a certain trashy chic to them. If she hadn't been so vain, Blue could have worn the boring but functional gloves she'd been given for Christmas, but she was vain. So instead, she had her fraying fingerless gloves, infinitely cooler, though also colder, and no one to see them but Neve and the dead. April days in Henrietta were quite often fair, tender things, coaxing sleeping trees to bud and love-mad ladybugs to beat against window panes. But not tonight. It felt like winter. Blue glanced at her watch. A few minutes until eleven. The old legends recommended the church watch be kept at midnight, but the dead kept poor time, especially when there wasn't a moon. Unlike Blue, who didn't tend toward patience, Neve was a regal statue on the old church wall, hands folded, ankles crossed beneath a long wool skirt. Blue, huddled, shorter and thinner, was a restless, sightless gargoyle. It wasn't a night for her ordinary eyes. It was a night for seers and psychics, witches and mediums. In other words, the rest of her family. Out of the silence, Neve asked, Do you hear anything? Her eyes glittered in the black. No, Blue answered, because she didn't. 
Then she wondered if Neve had asked because Neve did. Neve was looking at her with the same gaze that she wore in all of her photos on the website, the deliberately unnerving, otherworldly stare that lasted several more seconds than was comfortable. A few days after Neve had arrived, Blue had been distressed enough to mention it to Mara. They had both been crammed into the single bathroom, Blue getting ready for school, Mora for work. Blue trying to clip all of the various bits of her dark hair back into a vestigial ponytail had asked, Does she have to stare like that? In the shower, her mother drew patterns in the steamed glass door. She had paused to laugh, a flash of her skin visible through the long intersecting line she had drawn. Oh, that's just Neve's trademark. Blue thought there were probably better things to be known for. In the churchyard, Neve said enigmatically, There is a lot to hear. The thing was, there wasn't. In the summer, the foothills were alive with insects buzzing, mockingbirds whistling back and forth, ravens yelling at cars. But it was too cool tonight for anything to be awake yet. I don't hear things like that, Blue said, a little surprised Neve wasn't already aware. In Blue's intensely clairvoyant family, she was a fluke, an outsider to the vibrant conversation her mother and aunts and cousins held with a world hidden to most people. The only thing that was special about her was something that she herself couldn't experience. I hear as much of the conversation as the telephone. I just make things louder for everyone else. Neve still hadn't.